1: But we cannot choose singleness or marriage simply because someone else thinks we should do it. This has to be something that you have decided. How else would you be under a
2: constraint or necessity to get married? Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen.
1: Although it is quite rare these days for us to write long correspondence, letters, especially this day of emails and texting, perhaps you can remember back to when you wrote academic papers in school that it is common towards the end of your letter or towards the end of your paper or even towards the end of a section to summarize what you have just said and perhaps clarify certain issues that uh, may not have been part of the main body of the text but are things that you wish to address. Paul does exactly that as we find ourselves not at the end of his letter but at the end of chapter 7 which corresponds with the end of his teaching on singleness and marriage. So we will look at some concluding matters of marriage as well as one in particular which is a specific scenario that he addresses and that is that of those who are widows. I want to say that I've been encouraged by all of the positive feedback that I have received from this series on singleness and marriage. I'm thankful to you and I praise God for that. Several of the singles in our church have actually reached out to myself and my wife asking how do they know if they should be single as they begin considering perhaps even staying single, evaluating if they have the spiritual gift of singleness to remain faithful to the Lord in a maximum way as we have seen. But at the same time, there is a lot of confusion, not just among our singles, perhaps more among our singles who are seriously considering this huge decision and life-changing choice. But among all of us, there are probably a lot of questions still, a lot of wondering and confusion about the specific nuances of singleness and marriage. A lot of those questions I will actually be addressing in our Q&A in a couple of weeks, but some of it I will address this morning because I believe Paul answers those questions, specifically the question of how do I know or what do I need to do to make sure that I am indeed making the right choice if I choose to be single for the sake of the Lord. Well, turn with me as he closes off this section, this important and powerful section on singleness and marriage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 36 through 40. I want to remind you that I read and preach from the New American Standard Version. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter... If she is past her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let her marry. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. So then both he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. A wife is bound as long as her husband lives, but if her husband is dead, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. But in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. In unpacking these verses, I want to give you four final thoughts on singleness and marriage. But before we get into that, before we get into these four thoughts in our outline, I want to clarify some exegetical points about this passage. And I'm actually going to spend a good chunk of time doing this. I think this will clear up some confusion If you followed along just now as I read and you are reading from the ESV or NIV, you are already confused because there are some significant differences in translation, not just reordering of words or different English word that can mean the same thing, significant differences. And what I'm about to explain makes a difference in the specifics of the passage, but does not change the major overarching principles regarding marriage and singleness, and that's very important. But I do want to be fair to you and to be clear as your shepherd and as one who interprets the Scripture on your behalf on a weekly basis to help you see, but at least grasp why there are two different versions and what that means. The great disagreement comes down to one that we have seen before on what the word virgin is referring to. Now, there are several explanations, four in particular, that have been offered. There are more, but there are four that are generally accepted or even considered. There are two that are the most common because they're the most likely, and those are the two that you will find in the translations in your laps right now. Let me start with the first. First. Some see the word virgin as the NAS, which I just read does, as the virgin daughter of, of course, a father. Therefore, in the passage we just read, Paul is addressing that father. This passage is for the father. Others see the word virgin, as the ESV and NIV translate it, as a man's fiancé or his betrothed, as they would use back then. And so Paul is addressing that man, the male fiancé. Now, which definition you pick has implications on the whole of verses 26 through 28, but does not, again, change the major principles. And I'm going to give you a brief overview of both views and how each of them relate to the whole passage. Now, let's start with the interpretation that the NAS chooses, which is that Paul is addressing the father of an unmarried girl. Keeping in mind that the word daughter... In the NAS, if you have it, you'll see it's in italics, and that indicates to us that it's not in the original Greek of the New Testament, but has been added by the translators for clarity. To fully understand this interpretation, it helps to know that in Paul's day, in the Greek and Roman cultures, the fathers had control over the marriage of their daughters. Now stick with me, whether you think that's good or bad, or whether you're upset right now because of Uh, Current social issues or political issues, stick with me. We're talking about history. We still hold on to the remnants of this practice today in the tradition of a man asking his girlfriend's father for permission to marry her. And then, if he says yes, it is the father who walks the bride down the aisle and hands her. To the groom. And back then, dads had so much say in the marital status of their daughters that some Christians had committed their daughters to a life of singleness in dedication to the Lord, we can assume with the agreement of the daughter. And why we can assume that, we'll see in a minute. And so, this is the scenario that Paul is addressing in this view. So, what we have been saying over the past several weeks about the gift of singleness was not so much an issue of the woman choosing singleness for the sake of the Lord and for the sake of ministry, but here in this context, it was the father choosing that for his daughter. Again, like a woman would do, uh, who would do that today, to choose singleness for the Lord, the father back, back then was doing this not as some sort of constriction or punishment, but with good intentions, seeking his daughter's happiness and seeking the glory of God. Now, Add to the mix the ascetics. These are people we haven't mentioned in a while. But they were a problem in Corinth. And if you remember to probably a few months ago now, they were the ones who had convinced the Corinthian believers that it was actually good to abstain from sex even though you were married, or especially that you were married. And they had apparently even convinced some that not just what Paul is saying that it is good to remain single for the glory of the Lord and for service but that it would actually be wrong to be married it would actually be akin to sin for a single person to get married you can see why they were given the title the ascetics and in this view this is what Paul is addressing a man has committed his daughter for the sake of the Lord to singleness but now in verse 36 She is getting past her prime, as we would say. She is getting past the marrying age, and she decides now, you know what, Dad? Actually, I think I want to get married. By keeping her single, again, verse 36, this dad is now acting unbecomingly or improperly toward her because she wants to get married, and he's now forcing her to stay single. She has a newfound desire for a husband, quite likely a specific person that she is attracted to a friend that she wants to go to the next level with. And so Paul's response is, you made this commitment before, but now just let her get married. If she wants to get married and you think it's the right thing to do, let her get married. You are not in sin for doing so. Then verse 37 in this view says that the dad is also doing well if he chooses to keep her unmarried. Of course, if they both agree to this, verse 38, either is fine. Singleness is better. Now, here's the other view, which the the translators of the ESV and the NIV uh, adopt, and I'm going to actually explain a little bit of how we can get such two differing views. The other view is that Paul is addressing the man who is engaged, and the word virgin refers to his fiance. Now, here's what makes matters even more confusing. The phrase, past her youth, which we kind of... Uh, defined as pastor prime, right, that we saw in the last view, can actually mean in the Greek also to have strong sexual passions or to be fully sexually developed. Perhaps that second one helps explain why we can come to those two views. One means she is past her youth and thus marrying age in this context, and the other view means to have sexual desires and passions. And as different as those translations are, it may help to understand that both of these views refer to being past a certain age in physical development, specifically from puberty on. And so you add to the understanding that there is a historical context that back then men and women got married much closer to puberty than we do In our culture, in America today, and I don't mean instead of 28, it's 25 or 20. I mean in their teens, they would get married. Yes, Mary and Joseph were teenagers when Jesus was born. And so you understand that if it was normal to get married or at least betrothed and then married shortly after, very close to puberty, right when you hit puberty or a year or two after puberty, then you understand why it's so important that maybe even becoming 20 years old or early 20s would be past your youth and past a marrying age for a woman. And clearly we understand how a man, as soon as he hits puberty, will start having sexual desires. Before hitting puberty, clearly no desire to get married probably even would say it's gross, it's yucky. But once they hit puberty, there is a physical desire for that. And so we see how there are these two different views. Now, in this view, the fiancé view, Paul is saying that because of your sexual passions, you, man, you're going to start possibly acting improperly towards your fiancé perhaps trying to push the boundaries of physical intimacy too far, or even saying things to pressure her to do so. This man clearly does not have the gift of celibacy because he desires to have sex. And so Paul says it's okay to marry her. You go on to verse 37. It's the same point. It's also okay to not get married and keep her as a virgin, to keep her single. Verse 38, again, both are okay singleness is better. Which is the right view? When I tell you that there are two views, and I hopefully you can even, with a spirit-informed discernment, assume this, that because two reputable translations of the English Bible hold two different views, that we're not talking about one view is held by us, and another view is held by Atheists or secular Bible scholars or even liberals. These are two views that conservatives, good scholars and theologians hold either way. Now, what is the right view? The Greek is not definitive either way. It says the word virgins. We don't know exactly what he's referring to. And then he uses this Greek phrase that can refer to either sexual passions or just being older as a woman past a marrying age. Scholars have come to their own respective views, and again, there are more than just these two. And the way they have come to these views is by looking at the other usages and contexts of these words in Scripture, but also in secular writings, obviously writings from that time, to see how the words would have been used in a normal context. I understand that the people who penned the New Testament were writing in the common vernacular of their day. They were, they were uh, using the idioms and the phrases that people would be familiar with. Okay? And so the Greek is not definitive either way. My personal view, I lean toward the fiancé view and not the father-daughter simply because of the context and the usage uh, of the terms elsewhere in Scripture and again in secular writings. Even just simply looking at the flow of Paul's argument uh, since we started this, this series weeks ago, it now doesn't really make sense to now bring in the fathers and to address him. And so again, it's not definitive. I personally lean towards the fiancé view, but I would not be dogmatic about it because it's simply not clear. That being said, we go to my initial premise that the main points regarding singleness or marriage are clear, there's no debate, and it is these principles that guide us whether or not you have daughter, whether or not uh, you are female, whether or not you are engaged. So now, let's turn to Paul's four final thoughts on singleness and marriage. The first thought Final thought on singleness and marriage is the concession. I'm going to read both the NAS and the ESV. Verse 36 is where we get the concession. But if any man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, if she has passed her youth, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes, he does not sin, let her marry. ESV. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry. It is no sin. So whether it's the father, the girl, or the girl's fiancé, Paul wants the Corinthians to know that despite all that he has written, despite his spirit-inspired preference and advice, it is not wrong, it is not sin to get married. And the point or emphasis that Paul is making is that when it comes to marriage, Christians do have an option. You can stay single or you can get married. Neither is sin. This goes back to the previous verse where Paul says in verse 35, This I say for your own benefit, not, a, not to put a restraint upon you, but to promote what is appropriate and to secure undistracted devotion to the Lord. Remember that word restraint means a noose one that you would put around an animal to make them go wherever you want. He's saying, I'm not saying this to force you to do what I would prefer, to force you to remain single. You do have a choice. What I really want, Paul says, is for you to have the most undistracted devotion to the Lord as possible. And of course, that is maximally possible if you remain single. Again, singleness is Paul's preference. It is not a command. And so to be clear, When I say that you have a choice between marriage or singleness, we are not just stating the obvious, that you have the ability, the legal right, the physical ability to stay single or married. He is saying that in God's eyes, you have a choice. For example, when it comes to lying, personally, we can choose to sin and lie, or we can choose to obey and not lie. We have a choice, personally. But biblically, you don't have a choice. You cannot lie biblically. God doesn't give you a choice there. In regards to marriage, we have a choice both personally and biblically. They are both allowed. And in part, Paul is most likely addressing the ascetics who said that marriage is sin, but we know he is also voicing concern as a pastor and a shepherd. He doesn't want anyone to think that because they have the desire to get married, that that makes them sinners, failures, or somehow second-class citizens. Don't beat yourself up just because you want to get married or because you are married. It's okay. You're not in sin. So that's the concession. Yes, Paul wants you to stay single, but it's okay if you don't. And it's definitely not sin either way so long as you do either of those biblically. Let me give you a second final thought on singleness and marriage, and that is the conditions, the conditions. And I believe this point will be most helpful for those who are considering singleness. If someone chooses to stay single or perhaps are considering whether they have the gift of singleness, whether or not they can do it, should do it, what are the conditions that need to be met? We've already seen earlier in the chapter that the desire or passion for intimacy already disqualifies you. Get married. You don't have the gift. You're just going to come into problems. I know it's a stretch, but when we force people to be single when they shouldn't be single, they're just going to have problems because they have that desire to have intimacy And what I mean by it's a stretch is we see this in the Catholic Church where according to their rules, nuns must stay single and priests must stay single. And I don't think I need to go into details as to you knowing throughout history, but revealed in just recent history, how big of a problem that has become, especially for the priests. They have that desire. They're forced to be single. And so that that desire comes out not just in sinful ways according to Scripture, but even evil ways according to secular society. But beyond that, the desire for intimacy, Paul gives us four additional conditions in verse 37 to consider if you desire or think you might want to be single. And even if you are not sure, it's worth going through these points. Look at verse 37. But he who stands firm in his heart, being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will and has decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. ESV, but whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. And just to clarify in that view, I know it's confusing, but the idea is that he would remain single Um, It's confusing because to keep her as his betrothed, there was more to it than being engaged in our day some of these people would actually have what was called a spiritual marriage where they were actually living together but were not having intimacy and so in this view I don't take that this is that's what it's referring to but just so you know that in the culture some of them would be betrothed and they would live this spiritual marriage and where uh, they're helping each other like married people you know helping with whatever the finances and helping keep house but they would not be intimate they weren't married. They were simply uh, betrothed. Just for the sake of completeness, the fourth view, again, that I, I don't believe has, uh, as, holds as much water as the two that we're looking at, is the leveret marriage, which came from the Old Testament where basically because your brother died before he was able to have a child with his wife, then you as the next oldest brother would then provide a child through your now wife, your sister-in-law to continue the family name, which was much more important back then than it is for us today, at least in our culture, okay? And so the, the idea here would be then you would remain single and she would remain as your betrothed or even the idea, second idea in that view would be then you would even give her up because if she wants to be married, then you would give her up and let her marry someone else, Okay. And so again, those are not views that I would hold or even consider because they, they're just not there 's not as much evidence for those they 're on shaky ground. But well, back to our point and the bigger principle and just going through the verse, we see the four conditions: one stands firm in his heart, two isn 't under constraint, three has authority or control over his own will, four has decided in his own heart, and we 'll see that these overlap a bit and I will tell you that this applies to men and woman as they consider singleness. So these are not conditions for should you be married. These are conditions that need to be met for you to choose to stay single. So if you want to know if you should stay single first, stands firm in his heart. To stand firm means to have an established condition of standing. In other words, you're not just standing firm now, but this is an ongoing condition. In other words, you are certain. This is not wishy-washy. This is not back and forth. This is not, I'm going through a tough spot. I want to remain single. And then you meet this guy or this girl and you're like, oh, I, you know, maybe marriage is for me. And then you find out that they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You go, nah, I should be single. This is not for you. You're not standing firm in your heart. This is not back and forth, constantly changing your mind because of situations or different scenarios or people that you may meet.
2: This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live stream services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org.